يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا تقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار مرحبا اهلا وسهلا we continue with the sisters classes where we are covering the tafsir of surah al-fatiha and we are covering matters of jurisprudence pertaining to the woman and something from the biographies of the wives of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the mothers of the believers radiyallahu anhunna ajma'in may allah be pleased with them all in the last class we had left off with the matter of reciting the basmala out loud in the salah and we covered yarhamukullah we covered that the scholars they differ regarding this matter and some of the scholars they hold that it should be recited out loud from them al-imam al-shafi'i rahimahullah and this is the view of a group from amongst the sahaba and the tabi'in and they based that upon the basmala being a part of surah al-fatiha so they said that it should be recited out loud just like the rest of surah al-fatiha and we covered that the scholars differ on whether or not bismillahir rahmanir rahim is from fatiha or not and the safe position to take is to recite it even if you do not view it as being a verse from the verses of surah al-fatiha still recite it that way the person escapes from the difference of opinion 
And if a person does view it as being from Surah Al-Fatiha, then yes, one must recite it. But the issue is, does he recite it out loud or silently? Some of the scholars say it should be recited out loud, just like the other parts of Fatiha are recited out loud. And also they use as a proof the narration of Abu Huraira radiallahu an, أَنَّهُ صَلَّى فَجَهَرَ فِي كِرَاءَتِهِ بِالْبَسْمَلَةِ وَقَالَ بَعْدَ أَنْ فَرَغَ إِنِّي لَأَشْبَهَكُمْ صُلَاةً بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Also that which they use as a proof is the narration on the authority of Abu Hurairah radiallahu an that he led the people in prayer and after he finished praying he turned to the people or he said to the people indeed my prayer resembles the prayer of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more so than any of you. And they extract from this that he was demonstrating to them the prayer of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that which he did in the prayer is how the Prophet prayed sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And from it is reciting Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim audibly where the people can hear. Other scholars have responded to this by saying that there are other routes of this narration that shows that the people they rejected or critiqued or criticized Abu Hurairah radiallahu an for the takbirat. His saying of Allahu Akbar when he goes from one position to another. So a person said to him, مَا هَذَا التَّكْبِيرِ يَا أَبَا هُرَيْرَ So Abu Hurairah mentioned, إِنِّي لَأَشْبَهَكُمْ صُلَاةً بِرَصُلَاةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ That indeed my prayer is more similar to the prayer of the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم than all of you. Meaning, I pray the way the Prophet prayed, more than you pray the way the Prophet prays, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So when I'm praying, my prayer is a demonstration of the prayer of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam more than any one of you. So some of the scholars, they said that that which Abu Hurairah was referring to was the takbirat and not Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And they say that Abu Hurairah radiallahu an saying the Basmalah out loud was for the purpose of teaching the people that Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim is to be recited. And we also covered the 
narration on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha qalat kana rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaftatihu as-salata bit-takbir wal-qira'ati bi alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin Aisha radiallahu anha she mentioned that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to begin his salah with Allahu Akbar and then Alhamdulillahi Rabbi Alameen meaning audibly that doesn't mean he didn't say Bismillahi Rahman Rahim but just he, he, that which you would hear is Alhamdulillahi Rabbi Alameen audibly also we have the narration of Anas ibn Malik where he stated Sallaytu khalf al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa Abi Bakr wa Umar Uthman فَكَانُوا يَسْتَفْتِحُونَ بِالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Anas bin Malik radiallahu an, he said, I pray behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Bakr, and Umar and Uthman. And they used to begin the prayer with Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Meaning, the first of that which you will hear them recite audibly in the audible prayers is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And in any event, Barakallah Fikum, the scholars are in agreement that if a person was to recite Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim out loud, his prayer still sound. Even those who say you shouldn't do it, that it should be recited silently. Or is not from Fatiha. They are in agreement with the scholars that whoever recites Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim out loud or audibly, where the people can hear, that the salah is sound. And the scholars are in agreement that whoever recites. It's silently the salah is sound. Even those who say it should be recited audibly, they say if a person recites it silently, and what's meant by reciting silently is not that a person just stands there with his mouth closed. 
and he's reciting it in his mind and heart. Now reciting silently meaning to oneself. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Or he's moving his lips. He's reciting. Even if he's not saying it to where it can be heard, but he's reciting. Now we move on to the virtues of Bismillah. We find throughout the text the virtues of mentioning Allah's name or beginning with Allah's name and how it is a means of protection from the shaitan how it is a means of receiving barakah and the likes. The Prophet was on his donkey. And as he was upon his donkey, there was another Sahabi, radiallahu an, riding behind him. Another companion riding behind him. And first and foremost, this is an indication of the humbleness of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he will be riding on a donkey and there's someone behind him on the donkey. For the kings of the dunya they were individuals who were arrogant and haughty. And they would never have anyone riding behind them. And they would not be riding on donkeys. Rather they would be upon the, the greatest of the horses. And they will be riding alone. not having anyone behind them on the donkey. So this statement that the companion was riding on the donkey with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam shows that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was a man of being humble a man of humility and humbleness and never was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam a man who was arrogant 
They said when the Prophet sallallahu would walk, the Prophet sallallahu he would walk in a manner that was humble. He would not walk like in a proud, arrogant manner with his head high and his chest poked out. Although he's the greatest of the men. He's the greatest of the men. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The people will come to see him. And when the people will come to see him, they didn't know the difference between him in the Sahaba, they didn't know who was the Prophet. Because the Prophet Sallallahu he was mixed in with the Sahaba where you couldn't tell the difference. And he didn't wear no different type of clothing to where you know, okay, he's the Prophet. Again, a, a sign and an indication of the Prophet Sallallahu being humble. So he's saying, I'm riding behind the Prophet Wasallam on the donkey, and the donkey, it tripped or stumbled while the Prophet Wasallam was upon it in the Sahabi. So he said, may the shaitan be perished. Fukult ta'isa shaitan. May the shaitan perish. Or may the shaitan be destroyed. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stated, فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam لَا تَقُلْ تَعِسَ الشَّيْطَانِ فَإِنَّكَ إِذَا قُلْتْ تَعِسَ الشَّيْطَانِ تَعَاظَمَ وَقَالَ بِكُوَّةِ سُرَعَتُ So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said to the companion, Don't say, don't say, may the shaitan perish or may the shaitan be destroyed. Because when you say, may the shaitan become perished or be destroyed, he becomes magnified. He becomes big, enlarged. And then the shaitan says, by my power, I have overcome him. So the Prophet Sallallahu said, وَإِذَا قُلْتْ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ حَتَّى يَسِيرَ مِثْلَ الذُّبَابِ But when you say Bismillah, he becomes small and he shrinks until he becomes like a fly. Allah. Allah. So, if a person is on an animal and the animal stumbles, 
Don't curse shaitan. Because you magnify him. Or if you stumble a trip, don't curse shaitan because you will magnify him. But rather say bismillah to make him small and inferior. Another narration states, لا تقول هكذا فإنه يتعظم حتى يكون كالبيت ولكن قل بسم الله فإنه يصغر حتى يكون كالذباب وكالذبابة. The Prophet sallallahu said, "Don't say this. I mean, don't say perish. May the shaitan perish or may the shaitan be destroyed." Because he becomes magnified until he becomes like a big house. But rather say Bismillah and then he will shrink and become small like flies. So saying Bismillah when a person trips or the animal trips is from the Sunnah. As that which takes place is from the decree of Allah. So don't give the shaitan the power or make him feel as if he was the one who caused it. Allah decreed that. Don't make him big. Because when you made the shaitan perish as if he by himself was the one who had the power to make that situation happen. Nothing happens in the creation except by Allah's will. That's something you seek in protection. Because the shaitan, remember he says in the narration, Bikuwati suratuhu. By my power I have overcome. Meaning that the shaitan believes that the person, uh, he makes dua against them as if the, as if the shaitan himself was the one who was the sole cause behind the mishap or the, the event, the, 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 the stumbling or the tripping or the falling. So when a person trips or the scholars say even if a car accident happens, don't curse shaitan. Say Bismillah. Say Bismillah. And this Barakallah Fikun, is a means of causing the shaitan to be inferior. Another event in which we say Bismillah is when making wudu. It is recommended to say Bismillah when making the wudu. There is a narration that has been reported on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he said, La wudu aliman lam yabkur, lam yabkur ismallah alayhi. That there is no wudu for the one who does not mention the name of Allah at the time of making wudu. 
this narration and those similar to it that negate the soundness of one's wudu if you don't say bismillah the scholars are in disagreement as to the authenticity of this narration some of the ulama of hadith hold that this narration is a sound narration when you combine the different chains of narrators together they become strengthened and then it makes the level of the narration get higher to where it becomes a sound narration Others from amongst the scholars of hadith, they say even with the narrations put together, the weaknesses that are within the narrations cannot be strengthened. So the narration is weak. So the most that can be said is that the matter is recommended and not mandatory or a condition for the soundness of one's wudu. But you do have scholars who hold that if a person intentionally does not say Bismillah before making wudu, that his wudu is not sound based upon uh, this narration. In any event, one should say Bismillah before making wudu and then proceed with making the wudu. Another time it is Upon us to say Bismillah before we eat, before we drink. The Prophet Sallallahu was in a gathering and there was food and his stepson Umar ibn Abi Salama, he came and he started eating. He was, but he was eating with his left hand and he was eating all around from the food. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to him, Ya ghulam, sammillah, wa kul bi yaminik, wa kul mimma yalik. O youth, O young boy, say bismillah, eat with your right hand and eat from that which is in front of you. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, taught him the proper mannerisms of eating. Even though this wasn't his actual son, this was the son of his wife. But he still taught him mannerisms. And this is an indication that when brothers marry women who have children, it is a part of Or from Islam, that the men should be concerned about the upbringing of that child, even though the child is not his child. A man marries a woman, she has children from a previous marriage. That child now is living in your home. His father may have died, it may be a divorce, but the child is in your home. You don't just leave the child and have no concern for the child and let the child do whatever he wants to do, saying, well, that's not my son. No, the Prophet Wasallam taught him. Taught him the proper mannerisms.
Okay, you got it. No. You got it. You got it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, so again, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught him the proper mannerisms, even though it wasn't his son. It was the son of his wife. Another time where one should say Bismillah before leaving one's home and we're entering into the home. When a person leaves the home, the person, the person should say Bismillah tawakaltu ala Allah وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ In the name of Allah, I have placed my trust upon Allah, and there is no, no might and no power except by way of Allah. When the individual says this, This is a protection from the shaitan, a means of sufficiency and guidance. All three matters in one. As has come in the narration that when you say this, Bismillah, Tawakkaltu ala Allah, Wala hawla, Wala quwwata, Illa billah, In the name of Allah, I place my trust upon Allah. There is no might and no power Except by way of Allah, you call lahu hasbuk, hudita, wa kufita, wa wukita, wa tanaha anhu shaitan. It will be said to him, enough for this is sufficient. You have been guided, you have been sufficed, and you have been protected. And the shaitan, he stays away from him. How many times have we left our homes if we forgot to make this dua? And then we wonder where do the mishaps and the calamities come from in our day? A lot of times it's due to us not Mentioning these legislated athkar in which Allah's name is mentioned and where the protection is. Don't downplay these affairs, brothers and sisters. Rather, make these matters a part of your daily activities. 
Likewise, we're entering into the home. When a person says, Bismillah, this protects the home from the shaitan entering into the home. And we should teach our children to say Bismillah before entering into the home. And sometimes we wonder why when we enter into the home, it's like walking into a war zone with our wives and husbands. Yeah, because we forget to say Bismillah before entering into the home. And we don't keep the shaitan out of the home because when the shaitan is in the home, what do you think he's doing? He's causing confusion, causing fitna, making the husband mad at the wife, the wife mad at the husband, the parents mad with the children, the children mad with the parents. The shaitan is just causing chaos and confusion in the home. But when we say bismillah upon entering the home, then the shaitan, he says, there's no place for you to sleep tonight. I mean, can't come into this home. Another time, barakallah fikum where we say Bismillah, that which has come in the narration on the authority of Abdullah bin Abbas radiyallahu anhumah, anna Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal, law anna ahadahum wa ahadakum arada an ya'tiya ahlahu, qala Bismillah, Allahumma jannibna ash-shaytan wa jannib ash-shaytan ma razaqtana, فَإِنَّهُ إِنْ قُضِرَ بَيْنَهُمَا وَلَدٌ لَمْ يَدُرَّهُ الشَّيْطَانُ أَبَدًا وَكَمَا قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ عبد الله بن عباس He mentioned that the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم stated that when one of you wants to have relations with his spouse and his wife, a man wants to have relations with his wife. And then he says, Bismillah, in the name of Allah, Allahumma, O oh Allah, jannibna shaitan keep the shaitan away from us. And keep the shaitan away from that which you provide us with. If it is decreed between them two that a child will come from that union, the shaitan will never be able to harm that child. This is from the rights of the children before they are born, that we seek to protect them from the shaitan. And there are other situations in which we begin with the basmala or the tasmiya, as the tasmiya is bismillah alone, and the basmala is Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Or for the purpose of seeking Allah's help when mentioning His name, beginning with His name, seeking the barakah from Allah in the matter, seeking protection from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Excuse me. No, no. Like for instance. With the eating, you just say Bismillah. You don't say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And the way that it has come in the narration, you say it. But the point that I'm 
are pointing to is beginning with Allah's name. The importance of it and the benefits of beginning with Allah's name. Whether in the text is Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim or Bismillah alone. The point is you begin with Allah's name. It, you gotta look at the text. If, it, if, the, if it's Bismillah, then say Bismillah alone. If there's Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, then you say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. No. Allah is the proper name for the creator of the heavens and the earth. And all other names come after the name Allah. As Allah mentions, huwa Allahu alladhi la ilaha illahu. الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر. You see, first is he is Allah, the one who none has the right to be worshipped except for him. الملك Allah is the king. القدوس Allah is the one who is free from all imperfections, no deficiencies. Allah سبحانه وتعالى is is high. And, and he's magnified And Allah Azza wa Jalla is As-Salam Allah is Al-Mu'min The one who has confirmed uh, The truthfulness of his prophets And the one who gives safety and security to the people Allah is Al-Muhaymin The one who was over everything The judge over everything In control of all of the affairs Allah is Al-Aziz, the Almighty Allah is Al-Jabbar, the Irresistible No one can resist Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah is Al-Mutakabbir, the magnified, to the end. Allah says, Hu Allah Al-Khaliq Al-Bari Al-Musawwir Lahu Al-Asma'ul Husna. He is Allah the Creator, the Originator, the, the one who fashions and shapes for Him are the beautiful names. So all of the names actually come after the name of Allah. Allah is the original Name and every name comes after the name of Allah. So Allah says, "Wallillahi al-asma'ul husna, fadruhu biha." That for Allah are the beautiful names. Call upon Him by those names. We have the narration with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam stated, "Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'in asman, mi'atan illa wahida, man ahsaha dakhal al-jannah." That Allah has 99 names, 100 minus 1. Whoever memorizes them enters into paradise. The shahid here, Allah has 99 names. So the names follow the name Allah. It is not befitting for anyone to name themselves Allah. As the name Allah has the meaning of the true deity who alone has the right to be worshipped. And no one can have that attribute. Ar-Rahman, Dhu'r-Rahmat al-Wasi'ah, the possessor of vast mercy that extends over all of the creation. Allah is Ar-Rahman with the entire creation. Muslims, non-Muslims, Animals, inanimate objects, Allah is Ar-Rahman to everything. 
the possessor of vast mercy. And is not allowed for anyone to take upon that name, Ar-Rahman. We see how Allah Azza wa Jal dealt with Musaylima. Musaylima was one who claimed prophethood. He was a, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is there. He's saying he's also a prophet. Allah. He also said that he was Rahmanul Yamama, the most merciful of the people of Yamama. So because of his claim of prophethood and his claim to be a Rahman, he's always known as Musaylima Al-Kadhab. Allah decreed that that attribute of being the habitual liar follows his name. Because he is not the Prophet. From, he is not a Prophet from the Prophets of Allah. And he surely is not Ar-Rahman. So he is known as Musaylima Al-Kadhab. Musaylima, the habitual liar. And he is the epitome of the liars. As he claimed to be Ar-Rahman, and he also claimed to be the Prophet of Allah. As for the name Ar-Rahim, the Rahmat al-Wasila, the possessor of mercy that reaches whomsoever he wills from his servants, meaning the believers. As Allah Azawajal mentions, وَكَانَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَحِيمًا And He is Rahim with the believers. This mercy is specific for the believers. But this name is not a name specifically for Allah. As Allah Azawajal has described the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam as being Rahim. Allah states, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِدْتُمْ حَرِيصٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَعُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ That indeed it has come to you a messenger from amongst yourself. Great indeed upon him is that which you suffer from, or that which harms you. And he is very diligent over you, meaning to bring about good for you, and his concern and care for you. And he is gentle, and he is merciful to the believers. So Allah Azza wa Jal has described the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as being Rahim. So there are some names that are specifically for Allah like Ar-Rahman, Al-Khaliq, Ar-Razzaq. And then there are names that other people can be described with like Rahim or Sami' Basir. As Allah mentions, فَجَعَلْنَاهُ سَمِيعًا بَصِيرًا And we have made the person one who hears and one who sees. 
We continue with matters of jurisprudence connected to the woman, and in the last class, we covered some of the matters of impurities, and we had left off with the saliva of dogs. The saliva of dogs is impure. And that is based upon the statement of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the narration of Abu Huraira radiallahu an. Tuhuru ina'i ahadikum idha walaga fihi al-kalb an yaghsirahu sab'a marrat ulahunna bit-turab. The purification of the vessel of one of you, when the dog licks into it, is that the person washes it seven times, the first time with dirt. So the saliva of the dog is impure. And we also covered that it is not allowed for people to have dogs as pets. This is not allowed. So the one who has a dog in the home loses two magnificent rewards from their good deeds every day. And likewise, the angels do not come into the home where there are images and where there are dogs. And this is also from the imitation of the kuffar. So we should stay away from this. As for the saliva of cats, if a cat was to lick into a bowl, we do not have to wash the bowl seven times, as we do with the dog, based upon the narration where the Prophet Sallallahu said about the cats, إِنَّهَا لَيْسَتْ بِنَجِسِ إِنَّهَا مِنَ التَّوَّافِينَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَالتَّوَّافَاتِ That indeed the cats are not impure, meaning the saliva when they look into a bowl. For indeed, these cats, they are from amongst those who go around you, from amongst the men and the women, meaning they roam around you like in your homes and the likes. Showing the permissibility of having a cat in the home, but having a dog in the home is not allowed. Also, from that which is impure, is the flesh of the swine. The pig, their flesh is impure. And this goes back to the statement 
of Allah Azza wa Jal قُلْ لَا أَجِدُ فِي مَا أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ مُحَرَّمًا عَلَى طَائِمًا يَتْعَمُهُ إِلَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ مَيْتًا أو دما مسفوحا أو لحم خنزير فإنه رجس الله عز وجل mentions in سورة أنعام verse number 145 Say, I do not find in that which has been revealed to me anything prohibited for one to eat except that it be the dead animal or the blood or the flesh of swine indeed it is impure an abomination it's impure that's what's mentioned here so the scholars they say this is clearly an indication from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding the impurities of that which has been mentioned here the dead animal is impure the blood that's poured forth and the flesh of swine. So the dead animal is the animal that dies without being slaughtered according to the legislation. That animal is Nejis. And the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا ذُبِغَ الْإِحَابِ فَقَدْ طَهُرُ That when the, the skin of the dead animal has been uh, tanned, then it becomes pure, showing that it's impure. The scholars differ on that. That's a matter, inshallah, we'll get to. But there are two things that if we find dead, they are pure. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Uhilla lana maytatan wa daman. There are two dead things. If found dead, they are pure. They are allowed for us, and two bloods that are allowed for us. Amal maytatan falhud wal So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentions that these matters have been made. Halal for us. Meaning made halal by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
made halal by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the maytatan, the two dead things, al-hud wal-jarad, it is the, the fish and the locust. If you find a fish dead, it's allowed for you to eat because you don't slaughter the fish. You just take the fish out of the water, the water dies. But if you find a fish dead, it is allowed for you to eat. And likewise, the locust. And as for the two, the blood, وَأَمَّدَّمَان فَالْكَبِدْ وَالْتِحَالِ It is the liver and the spleen. Because there's blood in it. And normally we don't eat the blood. But the liver and the spleen, it is allowed uh, for one to eat. And the animal... None. So barakallah fikum It's important That we know What's from that Allah Azzawajal has made pure for you And what are the things that are not pure for us As this is a part of our Islamic daily life we shouldn't be ignorant about these matters bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd we continue with the virtues and something from the life of our mother Khadija radiallahu anha we covered in the last class that Khadija radiallahu anha was given the glad tidings of a house in paradise that is made from qasab as some ulama say is hollow pearls that is from the hollow pearls and some have mentioned that the qasab is an indication of Khadija radiallahu anha being the first wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam who preceded other women to things that no one else did before her like believing in him radiallahu anha uh, giving birth to his children as all of the children of the Prophet Sallallahu are from her except for Ibrahim. And that the house 
in paradise for Khadija, there is no sakhab, there is no yelling and loud speaking in this home. As Khadija radiallahu anha never raised her voice over the voice of the Prophet sallallahu or in the house of the Prophet sallallahu And there is no nasab, no tiredness in this house. As Khadija radiallahu anha, she never troubled the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and she made his home one of comfort, not one of yelling and screaming and tiredness or unrest. And we cover that this is a beautiful example for the woman. That the woman should strive to make their homes a place of tranquility, a place of rest and comfortability. And the home should not be a home where there is shouting and screaming, even though this is what you find in the dunya. Homes that are filled with shouting and screaming, homes that are filled with tiredness and uh, weariness and other than that, but because of the good treatment that Khadija radiallahu anha gave to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Allah will reward her in a handsome, beautiful manner due to her interaction with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is one of, or this is from the interpretations that have been given for this narration. We have another narration. عن إسماعيل قال قلت لعبد الله ابن أبي أوفا أكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بشر خديجة ببيت في الجنة قال نعم بشرها ببيت في الجنة من قصب ولا صخب فيه ولا نصب. So Ismail he stated. I said to Abdullah ibn Abi Awfa, Did the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to give Khadija the glad tidings of a house in the paradise? He said yes. He gave her the glad tidings of a house in the paradise. That's from Qasab. And some of the ulama, we covered this. They mentioned that the Qasab is the long sugar stalks, an indication that Khadija, her house would be a humongous high house. Some say rather it is a castle that Khadija radiallahu anha will have in the paradise on top of the other rewards that she will have. And there will be no yelling and no tiredness in this palace or this castle. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used, he used to give others glad tidings, meaning that he did it on more than one occasion. And this, barakallah fikum jami'an, the good mannerisms of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with his wife Khadija, of constantly giving her good news. And giving her the best of news. 
that she will be from the people of paradise. And this was by way of revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> Another narration we have on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha قالت لم يتزوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم على خديجة حتى ماتت عائشة رضي الله عنها she mentioned that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم did not marry another woman while he was married to Khadija until she died. The Messenger of Allah did not marry another woman while he was married to Khadija until she died. This here is an indication of the magnificence and the great status of Khadija radiallahu anha. And that she has a virtue that other women did not have with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. For there is no woman after Khadija except that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was married to her and another woman. But when the Prophet ﷺ was married to Khadija, he did not marry another woman. Does this mean that plural marriage was prohibited? No, it doesn't mean that. Rather, the scholars have mentioned that Khadija, due to her greatness and high status, that she sufficed. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam from needing another woman. And rarely do you find women like this. For no woman shared the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with Khadija. And this is not to take away from the other wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for they are the best of the women. But they were not on the level of Khadija radiallahu anha. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he was married to Khadija for about twenty-five years, and then she died. Right, she died when he was fifty. So he was married to Khadija for a quarter of a century. And then after Khadija, the Prophet married Naam. But he didn't stay married to only one woman. 
None. So this time that the Prophet wasallam spent married to Khadija, he was with her and her alone. And he protected her heart from ever being jealous of a co-wife. She didn't have to go through that with him. And this is a virtue that Khadija she has with the Prophet Sallallahu that no other wife has with him. And it's possible, Barakallah Fikum, that a man he has a wife that suffices him where he's not in need of another wife. And this is fine. This is there's no blame in that. And at the same time, there's no harm and there's no blame and ta'addud, plural marriage. As this is also from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and has been legislated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That a man marries more than one wife. That's called ta'addud in the Arabic language. Ta'addud. Polygyny. When one man marries more than one woman. Not polygamy. Polygyny. No, polygyny. More than one spouse. Huh? But there, would then a woman have more than one husband? It says polygamy is the practice of marrying multiple spouses. When a man is married to more than one wife at a time, this is polygyny. When a woman is married to more than one husband at a time, this is it is called palandry. But polygamy is general. It includes both men and women. Polygyny is just when the man has more, and palandry is just when the woman has more. But polygamy is the act of having multiple spouses. Meaning from the side of the man and the side of the woman. Islam allows polygyny, not polygamy. In Arabic, it's ta'addud. And that's a separate class to deal with the, the benefits of plural marriage in Islam and the rules and regulations of it and uh, what's the overall benefit for the Muslim society or society as a whole. But in general, going back to this matter, Khadija radiallahu anha, she has that virtue that no other wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi shared in, and that is that he only was married to her. And the scholars, they say, that's due to the status that she had and the type of woman that she was, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was sufficed with her. 
And of course, after the death of Khadija, he married more than one wife, or had more than one wife at a time. And when you look in the seerah, there were strategic benefits behind it. Him marrying uh, multiple women after the death of Khadija. And again, not to slight any of those wives that he married after Khadija, because all of them are the mother of the believers. They are our mothers. The wives of the Prophet wasallam are our mothers. As it was said to Aisha radiallahu anha, so-and-so says that you're not his mother. And she says, he's right. For I'm the mother, I'm the mother of the believers and not the mother of the hypocrites. <laughs> May Allah be pleased with our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was married to Khadija radiallahu anha for approximately 25 years. And it was him and her alone. And they lived a beautiful life uh, together, alhamdulillah. She was a blessed wife to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he was a blessed husband to her. And she aided the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam with her wealth with her persons, with her her wisdom, her knowledge. And never did she hold this over the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, treating him as being inferior because of her financial stability. And we covered this in the previous class. Inshallah Ta'ala, we will stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And whatever is incorrect, it is from myself. Subhanaka Allahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka wa atubilaik. Amen.